Welcome to Dr. 3, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth and climbing the standard ranked ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Grand Masters and Masters Torcaster, Dragon Rider, and Major Death. So, we got a... Happy New Year, Happy everybody. New Year! Yay! Woo! It Yay! is the first podcast of 2022. Feels good. We've made it. We got we got through 2021, and uh, hopefully bigger and better things ahead. <laughs> I will say. I'm sure. I, it has to be. I, I have to believe. <laughs> we got bigger and better things coming out this year. Uh, last week's poll question. We will start there. Uh, We asked you, after sharing our goals uh, for 2022 during our last podcast, we asked you, what Hearthstone goal do you hope to accomplish in 2022? Uh, Apparently the tweet kind of got lost in the holiday cheer because we didn't really get any responses. Um, We did get one, though, in our our Discord. Uh, Logar posted that... um, that they hope to get 11 stars at least once an expansion, coach at least one person, and the big reach is to play in a Masters Tour event. Uh, those are those are great goals, all achievable in some regard or another. So thank you for sharing those. And uh, we will go back to our standard multiple choice poll question this week. So hopefully we will get a few more responses uh, for next yeah, week. Yeah, that's... Ooh, those are lofty goals too. So, good luck. Those are those good are luck. those are <laughs> so, not no, not for the faint of heart. That's yeah, true. Might as well shoot for the stars. <laughs> okay, you're not the only one going big or going home there, Dragon Rider. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, Logar or Logie uh, is also a frequent uh, viewer of my stream, so he's learning. I love. Okay, it. there yeah, you go. Go, go big. Learned it by watching you. you you've <laughs> right. set a great example. It is a great example. Okay. So, uh, let's go to the news. We don't have a lot this week. But uh, one, leaf, blah, 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 one week left in Alterac Valley Honor event. Uh, deadline determines which factor leader will get awarded to players as a diamond <laughs> card. It should be faction leader if that. I Did I say I, factor? Or ex- yeah. th- that was me. You said yeah, factor. That was me uh, saying it incorrectly. But yes, the faction leader, um, well, you'll get the copy of it, uh, diamond. So that's that's yes. pretty cool. Um, then the latest update via tweet on uh, official Hearthstone Twitter account: uh, three billion honor earned by players so far with Alliance. Currently holding the lead. Woohoo! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For the Alliance. Yes, they didn't go into specifics as to what the actual tally was um, or how much ground the Horde needed to make up in this final week. But yes, the Alliance with one week left to uh, get honor for this event. Uh, the alliance does have the lead, so woohoo! They've been representing. Sad. Yeah, I wonder how many people picked just based on which legendary they thought would win. So, like, they picked the other one. 
because they didn't know how, like, I, I know there was a lot of people who were saying that at the beginning because we didn't really understand at that point that we could build up honor and get the other one. So people were like, oh, well, I'm going to pick the Alliance one so that the Horde, when the Horde wins, I'll get the Horde legendary. And oh, no, <laughs> if you did that, it might be a disaster. It might, might have backfired on you if that yeah. was if that was your thought process on there. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like the Horde one was better. I still think that the Horde one is better. They're not particularly great cards. They're, uh, they're legendaries that if you draw them early, they do something. The later you draw, the worse they get. And it's just like, yeah. so... It's it's not like one's leaps and bounds ahead of the other. So, okay. And then we have uh, Honor Questline can still be completed to get a gold copy of the opposite faction selected for the remainder of Fractured in Alterac Valley. So that doesn't go away. Yeah, so, so as long as you finish running through, it's just the contest ends. Yes, and... Uh, somebody was asking Deck Tech on Twitter if that meant that we're getting a patch next Tuesday, uh, because that's the 11th. He said, uh, no, that's not what that means. He said the date was chosen for another reason, and there will be something else to lead up to the next big patch. So there's potentially some other event or something going on that's going to start next Tuesday that is going to lead us up until that next big patch. <laughs> I can't, I can't even right now. <laughs> uh, so excited to see what that is. So, um, yeah. and then we have uh, out of cards, post guides for completing class achievements. Um, and we will link the, all of these um, uh, in the show notes. We have, they pre posted, uh, Guides for Mage, Paladin, Priest, Rogue, Shaman, Warlock, and Warrior. So that's they felt the new they felt the news was pretty slow over there as well. So they posted <laughs> yeah. the final seven uh, achievement guides for the last seven classes. The other ones are already out there or were out there before that. So if you are looking to complete achievements to get XP for the rewards track. All 10 class they have guides now out for all 10 classes. So you can just go out to out of cards and find find the class you're you want to work on and and get some some deck lists and some suggestions on how to go about getting those achievements met. Yeah, and just a, a note too, like a reminder, that is just for the current expansion, right? That is just for Alterac Valley because those are the only achievements you can get that XP Correct. for. Uh, the anything that's passed, you can do those achievements, but the only thing you're going to get at that point is like the achievement points, pretty much, unless it does have uh, something else with it, like some portrait or something. But pretty much, there it's just achievement points for older expansions. But these uh, these guides that they put out are for the current expansion, and they're obviously only including the the. It's the three achievements per class. So when the mini set comes out and we get a fourth achievement for all the classes and some additional neutral achievements, um, then then they'll probably have to go back and amend these guides to include some information on those. Yeah, but that is, like you said, when the mini set hits. So 
And that's that's it for the news. So, Dragon Rider, <laughs> what, what do we have for tournaments? Well, uh, the big thing is that this coming weekend, the qualifiers are starting up for... Uh, I, I was looking at it yesterday, and it's still just being called Masters Tour 1. So I'm not sure if they actually have, like, special names or if they're still coming up with that. Uh, but, cause, you know, like last year they had Dalaran and Undercity and... Now it's just Masters Tour One. So, you know, Masters, the most famous Hearthstone that, location, that, that or, or World Warcraft location <laughs> one, and then Masters Tour Two. Yeah, that oh. sweet brand, that sweet branding of Masters Tour Number One is so much, you know, so much better than you know Masters Tour uh, Iron Forge or <laughs> Silver Moon or something. Yes, yes. So I. I I'm hoping we'll get uh, some news or updates on that. Maybe they're still working on, on you know, finalizing details or something on the back end. But uh, along we do have the the qualifiers at least. But along with the fact that the qualifiers are starting this weekend, they did put out an announcement today about Maestra of the Masquerade because previously it has been banned from competitive play, and I think they they did a little bit of testing and they wanted to see. Uh, you know, what what people were going to do with it. And then they've obviously been watching it on ladder too, but they have decided that it will be approved for use in the master stores. So you will be allowed to play uh, Maestra Rogue decks, but there's a couple caveats to it. So one thing is the rules have now been added to say that Maestra deck, the Maestra deck you're bringing, must be queued using the classic card back while all of your other decks must have any other card back. So be careful of this, especially if you're somebody who uses the uh, random card back thing. Yeah, you're not going to want to do that for qualifiers. You have to go to the specific decks and make sure that it is assigned uh, as the classic card back for your Maester deck and your other decks have something that's not the classic one. So that's uh, it's a it's a very interesting kind of different uh, approach that they've used. But uh, what's going to happen if you don't if you don't do that, if there's a problem? Well, if your maester deck is queued and you didn't have the classic card back on it, well, that's going to be a game loss. Yeah. And also, if you if you. If you put the classic card back on another non maestra deck, that will also in, incur the one, the game loss infraction. Yeah, it makes sense that this is something that they're that they came up with a rule set on because obviously you don't want to um, get disguised as a, a, the class that you were banned and your opponent thinks you're cheating. Now there's rules so that they know when you queue up, okay, this is their rogue deck. Um, and so, I mean, the deck just became more viable at Fractured and Alterac Valley. So, like, it's 100% legitimate win, uh, bring. So I think it's very good that they came up with a way to um, indicate to your opponent, hey, I'm not cheating this is not a shaman deck. This is my rogue deck. So. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. I think rather than 
also doing like um i'll I'll say for for thl uh they implemented like a a strategy especially for the closed deck list it's a little bit different with the open deck list because at least you can you're going to have the deck list there so you can look at their rogue list and say oh okay they have maestro in the deck i know they're playing that and so you can already be looking for that uh, but thl like especially for a closed deck list you have to say like after the bands go through hey i'm playing a maestro deck and then when you queue it because they don't know what decks what deck list you brought, then you have to let them know again, Hey, I just queued up the Maestro deck. Uh, but yeah, doing it this way eliminates that kind of thing or your opponent saying, Oh, I didn't get the message or somebody forgets to mention it, you know? So this will be really interesting. I, th- I feel like there's still going to be a lot of people that don't know about this or mess it up or something happens. And, you know, there's probably still going to be some game losses from it and a lot of confusion. Um, yeah, it's. I, I like the approach it's, at least. If you take a game loss or you try and report someone um, for playing this correctly, it's because you were not prepared. If you understand what your opponent's bringing and you understand, like, you're up on tournament rules, which, if you're being a serious competitor, you should know 100% of the rules, right? Like,. I know there could be a little bit of confusion, but this this feels like if it, if you don't know this and you don't do this, it's kind of on you. Like so, like just be prepared. <laughs> it's it's part of tournament prep is knowing knowing what rules you're playing so you can uh, approach the game correctly. So. All right, are we ready to move on to the main topic? It has a lot to do with Maester of the Masquerade. Uh, both Dragon Rider and Daring are, well, at least Daring said he's a big fan and has played a lot of the deck. Dragon Rider, I know you have some experience as well. I am a complete newbie when it comes to this deck. I've watched some other people play it, but I think, think I'd like... I think we're going to spend the main topic today talking about the Maestra slash Thief Rogue deck. Uh, go through kind of how to play it, some matchup things, mulligan things, key points that, that you guys have noticed along the way. Uh, so if you are interested in playing it, you can get some information here about it. Or if you're new like me, you've got some knowledge to work from when you do try out the deck. So... Um, who who wants to give me the like what what at the start? What are, what are you trying to do with this deck, or where is where is the power for this deck? Because it it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, and has become rather popular. I I've definitely faced it a fair amount on ladder the last last few days. Daring, do you want to start here? Tell me tell me what is. What are your what are your goals with the deck? What are you, what is your what is your win condition? That sort of so thing. So there's there's something you could do with this deck. Um, on turn three, you can put out fourteen sixteen worth of stats for three mana. Now that this the conditions have to be right, but one hundred percent you can put out fourteen sixteen worth of stats for three mana. That's a doubling, uh, double agent, and two of the nulls. So 
the whole whole concept of this deck is to get early tempo with the Knolls as cheap as possible, play the double agents, um, get on the board, and pretty much don't leave it. Uh, it can be a really tempo-heavy deck. But with the burgle options, like, you, you know, the thieving options with, you know, the swash burglar, uh, reconnaissance, um, wand thief, you can actually go uh, a, a value route with the deck, too, and, and be a little bit more greedy because you have a lot of potential burst and there's a lot of cards that you can that you have access to <laughs> that you don't as a rogue so you have a lot of options but i think first and foremost um your goal is to get on the board and do rogue things you know push tempo you know chip 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 hit them with a finisher yeah and even like um getting that an initial early game bodies on the board keeping the board like you said but there's also a lot of very cheap and effective removal tools so if you get on the board early you can use those removal tools in the mid game to keep the board like you were talking about uh, so prize plunder is a big one right that's that's an easy way to remove minions off of the board um, especially if you pair those with like shadow steps and you can remove multiple minions uh, the gnolls themselves have rush, so if you were able to get double agents out, then you can move into gnolls even for the mid-game. Um, I have seen some decks, although I think they started moving away from it, but there have been some decks that I've seen also running uh, the Shadow Jeweler Hanar and some Secrets and stuff as well for some like more mid-game, later-game value off of that. Yeah, I've so, seen that too. Um yeah, and I mean, the secrets that you generate from that, right? The You play one secret, and then it will automatically give you cards that aren't rogue cards with all of those other secrets. So if you haven't gotten those early nulls, that's an easy way to start getting the discounts on them or finding you know, other things. Plus, the secrets just become really obnoxious. And, you know, for other like board-based decks some of those secrets are just way too much to deal with so um you know taking that early game leading into like removal keeping the board and then trying to close out with like uh scabs on the top end which uh, i'm sure we'll talk much more about scabs throughout our conversation as well yes but, uh, we will yeah. Hey, guess what? He he's pretty good. I Shocker! Think, I think we may have uh, we we may have mentioned that somebody somebody or all three of us may have suggested he was a pretty good card. I I yeah. do I would on behalf of our audience I do feel a bit remiss if I didn't bring this up. There there was a tweet from our own daring alkaline on the thirtieth of December. Who didn't seem too thrilled about fourteen, sixteen worth of stats on turn three? Uh, for for those of you listening and may not have the tweet up right now, it says right now I'm not enjoying when Rogue gets to drop fourteen, sixteen worth of stats on turn three. Eight out of ten of them of them being free and rushing. I personally don't like the Maestri interaction causing the Nulls to end up being free for drawing cards in your deck. 
I so that's why I was shocked that you said you've been playing this the last two few days. Is this is this a matter of if you can't beat them, join them, or or what exactly happened? What made you decide decide to play so the deck? It was I was getting frustrated at it, and like I didn't fully understand the limitations of the interaction until I started playing it. It was just kind of. It, right. That was kind of a frustrated point at my time at that point in time where I had literally two or three opponents that were rogue drop the the yeah, in a row, in a, yeah. In a row do that do do the big thing and right? I haven't done that yet with the deck so it's mm. not easy like it's not a common thing to do you have to pretty much hit warlock and be able to rotate cards your first couple turns to, to, to be able to do something like that, maybe even have the coin. Um, but it's, yeah. So I kind of, it was kind of like, I wanted to, to, to change it up and I was getting pretty sick of seeing pirate warrior. So, <laughs> sure. uh, I, I wanted to fight. All right. So I, I'm yeah. sorry. It, it That's was, fair. that was a bit of a gotcha. No, no, it's, I, it, I, 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 but, but I just, I I had remembered the tweets and I was just like, "Hey, wait a minute. Let me ask about this." So, I get I totally get one of the things we've talked about is if you're it, it, you know, if you see a deck and maybe you're having difficulty with it or want to understand how it works, the best way to learn how its deck works is to play it yourself. So, and I could definitely see a situation where by all accounts, this is a very interesting deck to play uh, once you get started with it. And there's a lot of moving parts, and uh, the the game game to game, um, there's a lot of differences because of the reconnaissance and because of Swashburglar and some of the the generators that you have and the, and the discover options even allow you to 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 completely change one game to the next how how it goes. Dragon Render, I'm going to ask you, how difficult is this deck to play? Um, I think this is one that when you don't understand the interactions or things like how you get the nulls discounted, it's very difficult. It's confusing, and you're like, what the heck? And and a lot of the plays feel very different. Um, we'll talk about one, like especially with Secret Passage. That even when I first started playing it, I had to have like my AFG team. They reviewed my games. They were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you you want to be playing that?" I was like, "What? I don't understand this." And once I understood the big interaction, then I was like, "Oh, okay." So <laughs> I, I I should say what that big interaction is. And I think for me, when I was first playing it and learning it, the biggest interaction was understanding that while you are disguised, so you start the game as, let's say, a mage, you draw a rogue card from your deck, but you technically are a mage, so your rogue card counts as having a, a card from a different class, which is what discounts your nulls. So I didn't understand that at first, and oh, yeah, that changes the way you play the deck once you understand that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That That is the whole reason Maester is in the deck because uh, we were looking at a deck list earlier or earlier and kind of the big one that seems to really be taking off was the one Vicious Syndicate posted late last week as their meta breaker. It has literally 29 <laughs> 
29 rogue cards and Mr. Smite. So any cards that you draw, save for Mr. Smite, reduce your null, any nulls that you happen to have in hand, um, until you unmask and become a rogue a rogue for the remainder of the game. And, and so, yeah, so that is... I was that was going to be my next question, but you 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 nailed it uh, there. Why why is Maester in the deck? That is the reason Maester is in the deck. The sole reason for the the for the deck being able to do what it does is because Maester is in the deck, and so that is a core card to this. If you do not have Maester of the Masquerade. That would be something you would want to craft in order to be able to play this deck because you just are not going to be able to discount the gnolls quickly enough or efficiently enough. Uh, you know, it would take multiple turns and versus being able to potentially get them out on turn two, turn three, maybe even turn one, um, that sort of thing. Daring, how 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 is the um how has it been for you? How difficult do you think this deck is? Uh, this deck's, the deck is difficult, I think, because of its versatility. Um, knowing when to pivot. I mean, there's, there, it's, it's just, it's interesting because there are certain matchups where, like, if you're playing against Pirate Warrior, you're going fate. Like, you're, you're controlling the board, you're clearing the board. And then you're eventually going to, you know, take over with damage. You're going to use your efficient removal to keep them off of the board. And then just eventually, you know, tempo your way through it. But there's other matchups where cards you can pull off reconnaissance. What you get off of Swashburglar. What you get off of Wand Thieves. Like, those indicate to you your plan and how to move forward. Because... It could be telling you, hey, here's a bunch of burn. You want to go ahead and, you know, do what you can to burn them out. But there's other times there's value. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you want to play a little bit more of a slower game and work your way to certain other win conditions. So, like, I mean... <laughs> Any other any other card non rogue in the card in the game can make its way into your hand, so there's about you know a lot of possibilities as to what can happen, and I think that's what makes the deck challenging. That there's you know the the simple straightforward point of the deck is getting the tempo as early as you can. Four fives are free. The the three threes with the doubling or the double agent, um, but I feel like there's just a lot of knowledge checks to keep in mind when you are playing the game, and like the deck can pull out a lot of a lot of odd wins out of nowhere. So the the curve of the deck is really low there's i mean if you look at mo a lot of these versions of the deck you're talking about something in the neighborhood of about 20 to 22 of the cards cost two or less mana so and you can potentially discount the gnolls that are five mana down to two mana or less pretty easily so there's um there's there there's decks that are 
considered to be rather linear where it's a pretty straightforward what you're trying to do you can say before the game even starts my best play on turn one is this turn two is this turn three is this this deck does not have that necessarily and it's going to depend on 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 how that what your early hand looks like what you're maybe able to trade into how quickly you can find the knolls the double agents that sort of things is to how quickly you can get the uh get 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 the board and then what you kind of end up with with the discovers and different things like that will will kind of determine how you play the mid game or how you go about trying to find a a, a win condition or how you decide to end the game i think is it w- would that be accurate would you say yeah i feel like that's a fairly accurate way to wrap it up okay so what so we you started talking about matchups a little bit what are the what are the good matchups for this deck everything <laughs> uh, just kidding kind of half kidding it feel there's a there's a lot of pretty good matchups especially once you learn how to play the deck it feels like you can just win any matchup uh which is why there's there's already talk you know you see on like discords or in in uh on twitter and stuff like these needs nerfed but it there are some good matchups overall and it's not like there's a lot of heavy favored matchups like even if you look at uh like hs replay you're not gonna find a whole bunch of matchups on there that are like 80 percent favored for the rogue no it's like a lot of 55%, 56%. So it's they're pretty good, but they're not overpowered like you you can't win. Um and yes, some of the randomly created cards can play into that. Also knowing when to play some of the key cards that we're going to talk about um can also play into that. But especially against the board based decks, we've already talked about the nulls. You can get them for cheap and they rush if they've got a good body. There's a lot of effective removal with things like prize plunders and extortions. And then you have scabs to put a whole board back in your opponent's hand. So yeah, if you're playing against a board-based deck, you're probably going to do fairly well against it. So those are typically the matchups where the rogues are a bit more favored. Especially if they don't like have a real aggressive starter or able to go yeah. really wide. I would think that yeah. I would think that if you could um you know go really wide or could get um or or you know they just happen to get a bunch of like very very cheap minions on the board early that could you know if you don't find the gnolls then then you might be in a in a in a little bit of trouble. What are what are what would you consider to be kind of the the not so great matchups, the bad matchups for this for this deck? Um well the biggest one that is a bad matchup is the quest handlock. Uh quest hand warlock which I think is also one reason we've actually started seeing this kind of resurge. Um, We've seen this really surge and become more popular after the latest nerfs in which a couple of those warlock cards, especially the, uh, the weapon were nerfed. So that's, you know, with not as many warlocks on ladder, 
this has kind of started to become more popular. Um, that's the biggest one. Because, uh, again, there's to- a ton of healing and just different things that... Uh, that a lot of removal with a lot of removal with healing built into it. I, yeah. th- I would think would be difficult. Plus, they have knolls of their own. And Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> they, and they, they just drag out the game and then kill you with the uh, you know fatigue damage. Um, and the other one that can be kind of challenging is Libram Paladin as well. And again, I say like challenging, but it's like forty five percent favored uh, for the Paladin, but. Uh, we were talking before recording. Cariel is like one of the biggest things because of uh, there's not really weapon removal in the rogue. So yeah, having that weapon there can uh, do a lot. Okay. Well, so are there are there any other matchups that like you're maybe you don't want to see necessarily that they're not necessarily bad matchups, but they're maybe little bit more on the unfavored side or they could be a problem if they got to be more popular decks that sort of thing um yeah, yeah go ahead Jay. i'm sorry oh sorry yeah there, there's a few um bolner otk shaman and quest shaman uh, and fell demon hunter so these are if like if you're kind of looking all three of these decks do very similar things right they have like early removal early stall and then they either kill you from hand right basically or they have one big like swing turn where they do a lot so if they wait until after you play scabs or after they've kind of stalled a lot of the rogue resources um then that's that's why it can be really difficult if they don't find a lot of that stuff then the rogue can kind of edge it out or maybe if there's uh you know, it, it becomes closer to 50-50 depending on what kinds of death rattles you might find or what kind of spells you can pick up uh, from other classes. But that's why those decks tend to be pretty good versus the rogue. I think, I think Quest Shaman has the ability to kind of cheat out in that very early game, kind of like the rogue does, insofar as the, any of their overload cards, suddenly that gets wiped away because of the first quest reward. Uh, Fell Demon Hunter also has a lot of healing because of lifesteal, so there there is that as well, similar to the way Quest Handlock has, uh, you know, removal that heals, the lifesteal removal that that fell demon hunter has would be would be of benefit there uh let's move on to the mulligans daring what do you what am i looking for at the start of the game what 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 do i want to see in my hand what am i mulliganing for and how how much of a difference does it matter like uh, from from matchup to matchup um i feel like most of the matchups you're looking for the same thing uh, you're looking for your gnolls, you're looking for tradable cards, your cutlasses, your SI7s, and your double agents. Um, and you can, depending on the matchup, you can look for Swashburglar and Reconnaissance. But you got to keep in mind, if you play a Swashburglar or Reconnaissance, you're switched back to a rogue and you're no longer d- uh, drawing cards from another class. So at that point in time, it stops making your hand cheaper. So yeah, Knowles <laughs> are pretty much the whole point of this deck. This is the you know the uh, 
the the bread and butter of the deck. So getting your gnolls into out as soon as possible, um, getting that tempo is is where you want, and getting a trade the tradable cards allows you to add more uh, cards from other classes to your hand, aka rogue cards. Let let me let me just point out one thing. I guess that I just realized now that I looked at the cards specifically, and it is the wild Knoll. And the the text reads costs one less for each card you've added to your hand from another class. That means the knoll didn't have to start in your hand in order to get the Correct. cost reduction. Yep. And one of the thing I, I did not realize that I thought the knoll needed to be in your hand. And then you drew cards, but no, it doesn't. Uh, like that. Okay, that makes sense. Why the um, the secret passage play that we're going to talk about in a minute? Why that that does in fact can work? But that is the thing to think about. Even if you don't, even if you do not have the knoll in your hand, the fact that you are drawing cards, rogue cards, not as a rogue, means those cards are being discounted in your deck so when you draw them they will cost less than five mana so that that is that is definitely not something i realized initially and so that is a a clear thing that you should keep in mind so yes you definitely want to think about uh when you play that first rogue card and what that means as far as what your nulls are going to cost when, when do you typically break the break the mask when do you typically play your first rogue card uh <laughs> two to three two, yeah two yeah two to three usually maybe turn four if you've gotten a lot of other stuff but yeah typically turn two to three which sounds super early but it also depends on if you're finding those tradable cards uh like daring was talking about if you can find those tradables those don't count as being played so it doesn't break that disguise which is why it helps also discounting the nulls because you're putting a card from AKA another class into your hand, but it doesn't break that disguise. Um, and that's why the tradable cards are so important. But if you can find those, yeah, you can end up either getting a null that you can play on turn two or three, or sometimes if you have coin, you can end up coining out the double agent. I don't know how how many times, Daring, have you feel like you've gotten to um, play either a null or a double agent on turn two and three? Uh, on turn three, pretty reliably. That is, um, <laughs> if I've if I've drawn it, I'm reliably playing the double agent or null by turn three. Yeah, you're always playing double agent on three. If you haven't broken your mask at that point, I would think. I mean, because because, because you ha you would have one other rogue card in your hand. You'd have that card in your hand, and the and you'd be putting six six where the stats. Are and I'm looking at once I play double agent. How do if my null isn't free? How do I make it free, or how do I make it cheaper? So like that's when the swashburglar comes in, or the reconnaissance comes in. Um. Be, or you or you have another um double agent in your hand you're looking at how you're going to trigger the other double agent so yeah and speaking of the double agent I, I, this reminds me that the double agent is how you thought null did work 
right? So like double agent, you do have to have the card of another class in your hand. So it's, you have to also think about, okay, am I putting these cards in my hand and then I'm discounting the nulls, but I have to keep one in my hand. I, I've messed that up a couple times. Yeah. Where I was like, I thought out this great order for my turn. I was like, okay, cool. I'll use this like mage spell that I generated and I'll kill off their thing. And then I'll play the double agent. And then it was like, oh, wait, <laughs> well, now that mage card isn't in my hand and double agent isn't going to get a copy. So crap, that is not right now. I, I've, I've Jesse Alexander, I've watched him play the deck a, a fair amount and he from time to time will inadvertently play the play the card that gets the second double agent out there before he plays the double agent and then you get a single copy and and you also when you're thinking about like the big play when you're maybe stepping the double agent back to your hand or replay it to get that extra three three you got to make sure that you still have that other card in your hand before you oh, before yeah. you you know step replay the double agent then play your your card from you, another you class you can't do so, that on so you, you make can't sure do you that get... on turn 3 unless you, like i've thought about that i've had the coin and i haven't pop, i popped my max by playing double agent i can't then shadow step one of the double agents coin replay and re it and get and two replay more. it and get two because yeah. The, the reason you got the yeah the reason you got the first copy uh, was because you weren't rogue and you had a rogue card in your yep. hand. There you go. Yes, that makes perfect exactly. sense. Yep. Uh, all right. So what are what are the well what are you what's the really cute play? I guess is what I want to know. Where what is what is the secret passage play? Tell me, Dragon Rider. Tell me what the secret passage play is. Okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to give credit to, to some of my Amberflight teammates because, yeah, when I first picked up this deck, that, that was one of the interactions that I didn't understand because I didn't understand that while you're disguised, your rogue cards count. So, like, there was a couple games where I had, like, Secret Passage, Null, and a Swashburglar all in my hand, and then I just, like, passed or something, and I didn't do anything for, like, two turns because I didn't understand. But they said, yeah. You just play Secret Passage on turn one, especially if you have Null in hand, but you can even just play it without having a Null in your hand because you play that Secret Passage, you are still disguised. All four of those cards go into your hand and it automatically will discount your Nulls by four now for the rest of the game whenever you draw them. So even if you don't yeah. draw Assu them, assuming yeah, assuming you don't draw smite, in which case it would only be three. Sure. Yes. But but yeah. yes, yeah, you you would have gotten four ticks off of your cost just by playing one secret passage. Yeah, and, and, if, and, and, if, and that's yeah. why. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, and if you happen to have uh, gotten one of those nulls right away uh, in the secret <laughs> no. passage, you. You might have you might be able to play it right then because the turn one card that you got at the top of the turn plus the four cards, if all five of those were rogue, hey, your null is now a free card if if it was one of the four cards you had you got in your secret passage. Yep, yep, exactly. So that's why, you know, if you have like a secret passage and a null in your hand to start, yeah, just th this is that play that I was alluding to earlier where it's like 
it feels so weird because it's not intuitive. It's not how we're used to playing Rogue. We're used to playing Secret Passage to get cards that we need or to be able to play those. But you have to you have to break away from that and think, I need these to get the nulls discounted. So I don't actually care about what I'm drawing off Secret Passage or that I, I'm not going to have mana left over. That's okay. That's not the point of the Secret Passage. Now, if you've already gotten the nulls and you, know, you draw the Secret Passages later on in the game, then that's a different story. But talking about it specifically for turn one, yeah, that is the interaction that for me was like, like just oh then i'll like brain what how i uh, what okay this is how this deck works like that was that moment for me when they said that i was like oh okay now it's all clicking because it's it's just so unusual from how we're we're used to seeing cards work it is a little counterintuitive it really is like it's something you just have to do to get the feel for it. Like, you can you can think how it... You, like, you'll know how it works. You can logically logic your way how, how this is, is supposed to work. But there's that feel of how it works once you get in the game. And you have to have that feeling to play that deck because there are some fast decisions you need to make while playing that deck because you can have some very complicated terms no i'm assuming that you're not just necessarily going to get gifted a uh, win condition with your discover cards every game so there must be a win condition in this deck daring what is what what typically am i going to use as a finisher in this deck um and how how do you how do you play it i like mr smite <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Really, six damage that charges. Yeah, the, you, shockingly you, enough, and especially when you can go, um, Mr. Smite shadow steps. You can shadow step Edwin. <laughs> so think about that for a second. If you if you played Mr. Smite and shadow step him, that's four mana. If you shadow step Edwin, that's two mana. So you're at six. But if you have scabs down, you can uh, prep one of them out. That's four mana. And that's ten damage plus two for every card you play after that. Um, that can add up real quick. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that can be quite the punch. Um, and you're still running wicked stabs. You can still discover fireballs, um, ruined orbs, the new spell that does, you know, makes your, your spells cheaper. If you honorably kill something like that's still damage that can go face. Um, so like it feels, um, kind of classic-y rogue at some times where it's just like six damage face, shadow step, six damage face. <laughs> Visions of Leroy Jenkins are filling the filling the air. It sort of feels a little bit uh, reminiscent of of one neutral Leroy Jenkins. the The other thing is is Edwin. If you play Edwin and you draw a card, and then you shadow step Edwin back to your hand, if you play the card that you drew from Edwin, 
it'll actually buff the Edwin in your hand and keep that battle cry going uh, f- until, you know, you yep. end the turn. So you can actually buff Edwin while it's in it, in your hand and then and then do the thing like you did, or like you were talking about where you play Edwin and you play Smite, and since Edwin's a pirate, he gets charge, and you've got you can actually double dip on the battle cry buff because when it, you know you played it, put it back in your hand, buffed it a bunch, played it again, you'll get the battle cry again, buff it some more, and then hit him in the face. That that is. In, against some more controlling decks, that might be how you end up potentially winning winning the game. Yeah, so. and and it also should be noted, Swashburglar, Prize Plunder, also pirates, so they would also get charge um, if uh, if if you play Smite on the board, which may or may may come in handy. Specifically, the Prize Plunder because it might be the only thing that might be protecting them is a taunt, and then they you know you do a bunch of shenanigans. Smite with a bunch of stuff, and then oh, my last card is the prize plunder, which kills your taunt, and now all this stuff can yeah, go fast. And it's still additional two damage, or like you said, or potentially that yep. last little bit you need to clear that taunt. So, uh, that's the one I always forget is a pirate. I know we were talking about that before recording, but like I always forget that prize plunder is a pirate. It just it doesn't click in my brain. So. Yes, we're we're letting you know so that you can keep that in mind when you're playing so that you don't forget it's a pirate. Precisely. Uh is there is there anything to worry about with regards to um something that you wouldn't think would happen with the deck while you're while you're masks masked, uh Dragon Rider. Hi, yes. Uh my name's Dawn, and uh, I played a Swashburglar on turn one, and uh, it gave me a rogue card because I was technically another class, and I didn't know that would happen, so uh, I couldn't coin into my double agent, and then I was real sad. <laughs> and, uh, that, that, se- that. that seems very unfortunate. <laughs> that seems that. very unfortunate. <laughs> I was so sad. It was like, oh, I didn't realize that that could happen because... My brain was like, I'm playing rogue. But when I played the Swash Burglar, I wasn't a rogue, and it ended up giving me a rogue card. That was that was very sad. Yes, the card text does in fact it used to Swashburglar used to say draw you know from get a card add class. a card from the opponent's class, but now it just says another class. And yep. since you are not rogue when you played the Swash Burglar Rogue would be another class, so yeah, that would that would be rather unfortunate if that was the uh, the the lottery numbers that came up kind of thing. Yeah. So don't be like Don. Don't don't get rogue cards from Swashburger. So, but keep in mind <laughs> there record. there is one hundred percent legitimate reason to play a rogue card on turn one if you know you're playing a tempo matchup, like. The, the beast druid is going around playing uh uh coercion or not coercion um extortion or a cutlass on turn one is perfectly acceptable to maintain board tempo or to get something off the board so don't be afraid to break the mask immediately if there's some 
benefit to it. And you know the matchup is going to be board-based. So, like, don't be afraid to to do that. Um, you can still discount the Knolls. Don't worry about that. They'll be good. Just, if you need to get on the board, don't be afraid. To, like, don't wait. Be scrappy. Rogue's good at being scrappy. Let's, uh... <laughs> there you go. I like it. Um, let's talk about the the other really powerful card that we've alluded to several times uh, in this discussion, and that is Shadow Crafter Scabs, the hero card. Um, when do you play that? Uh, Daring, okay. I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, it it honestly really depends. It depends where you are in the matchup. Um, I feel like it's uh, if you'd like to play Vanish, it's a good time to play Shadowcrafter Scabs. Um, I think I think really the time that you have to be super careful with it is when you know a if you're playing against Rogue, it's pretty bad if you play Scabs first to minimal benefit, and then they immediately Scabs you back. It turns out they have board tempo, and that's not good. Um, but, like, in your bad matchups, you kind of want to wait until you can hit something particularly juicy. Like, if there's a bunch of Librams out, if they've played um, Lady Liadrin and just put a bunch of Librams on the board, like, all of a sudden, the scab's looking pretty good to get rid of all of those. So, but, it, it, I mean, it honestly really varies from matchup to matchup. Diane Ryan, do you have any comments about when when to play scams? Um, I, I think one thing, too, that I've seen a lot, I haven't really gotten to do it much myself, but I've seen it a lot from opponents, is uh, when you also have, I mean, obviously you, you're wanting to use it to get that board advantage that Daring's talking about, but if you can remove a couple of things off their board, you're trying to set up your own board as well, if you have something on board already, like a two mana minion, which there are some, then you can, uh, you can attack with it, right? Probably attack face. You probably aren't going to be trading it, but you attack face with it. You can play the scabs that puts that back in your hand, and then you can immediately use the scabs hero power to discount that to zero and then play that minion again onto the board. So now you have the two stealth minions plus that other minion, might not always be the best if you know you're you're trying to actually have stealth minions so that they don't have something to target you know maybe against like a mage but in most cases especially if you're against another board based deck get back on the board with as many things as possible so if you can take advantage of an interaction like that as well that's a great time to try to use the scabs along with what you also already had on board that you can replay i've seen uh people that have wild paw knolls they'll go in they'll play a zero mana knoll run into the thing they don't necessarily want their opponent to get back into their hand that doesn't kill the knoll they play scabs get the knoll back into hand play it for free it's it's fully healed back to a four or five again and then you've got that in addition to the four two shadows that are stealthed as well so yeah looking to kind of take full advantage it seems like to me that you use it 
either when you're behind and you're trying to really swing the board with that vanish um, or to potentially set up a situation where maybe you can finish the game in a turn or two, especially when you have that innervate as your hero power uh, after after playing scabs. So those are things to think about. I mean, like setting what? up if you can if you have like smite in hand that we talked about. I mean, playing scabs, you're gonna have eight damage on the board from those those stealth minions. So, if you also know, hey, my opponent's not really gonna have an easy way to clear those stealth minions, and you're also sitting on something like like smite, yeah, that I'm fourteen damage right there. So yeah, it's that's an easy way to build up some potential next turn lethal. So what about playing against the thief rogue, the maester rogue? What are what are we what are we trying to do if we suddenly are in a game and it is um it's not the priest player we thought it was. It was actually uh a rogue player. What are what are what are our goals in the early game? What are we trying to what are we trying to do? Who, who wants to start with this? Um, I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's well if they put if they put fourteen sixteen worth of stats on turn three, you probably are losing yes, the game. But save for that, what are, what are you trying? To, what, what are you what are you trying to do? I think uh, you're trying to. You're uh, either trying to rush them down. And like be more aggressive than they are, um, or you're going to try and maintain the board and negate that chip damage, um, and kind of either outheal them, um, which is a complete possibility. Outhealing them is something you can do, but even then, you can still they can still crank out a lot of damage. So it's it feels it feels like a tough deck to 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 uh, play against, but I mean, uh, I, I kind of always feel that way against playing against Rogue. So I don't know if I'm the best <laughs> to to say how to beat Rogue. I, I think it's just you just gotta. Um, I feel like being aggressive might be a, a a good way to do it. I know I had trouble with Hunter, uh, Face Hunter with that deck. But I also did well against Face Hunter, so um, healing, taking less damage, putting big, big Divine Shield taunts, you know, stuff that Paladin does. Big minions seem to give it a problem, in all honesty. Like, um, the fact that, like, uh, Handlock, Handlock can put out just a lot of minions big minions and the deck can't deal with it like it's got prize plunderers and maybe if you pull some other sort of removal you might be able to deal with it but how for how long like recursion and whatnot so i feel like it's it's the big minions of like Paladin and and warlock are big pains for them to deal with yeah, so there's like, I feel like it, it definitely depends on what deck you're playing when you encounter the rogue, right? To, you have to lean into what your deck is trying to do. So if you are playing as a more aggressive deck, like a face hunter or something, you might just want to try to 
beat them quickly because yeah, again, those rushing knolls, they're going to be bigger than your minions. Most likely they're going to have that efficient removal. They're going to have the scabs and that's going to be hard to answer. Um, but if you have removal resources and healing, um, try to just delay the game. I feel like as much as possible with, with those, because they can kind of falter and just stall out and maybe they can answer a board with scabs, but they can only do that once. So if you are putting out those repetitive big threats, if you have those, you know, space them out a bit because that's just going to make their scabs awkward. Um, take advantage of like divine shields, like Daring said, um, but just really lean into what, what your deck is doing and think about, can they answer my stuff? And if they can, I probably just want to try to be really fast and just be super aggressive and beat them down. I, this is going to go for all rogue decks, but yeah, you really have to play around or think about scabs starting on turn seven because you, I, there have definitely been a game or two where I felt like I was going to go for the jugular and put, you know, lethal damage down and they play scabs and suddenly I don't really have a good way to deal with the counterboard that they've put, the, the shadows out there, plus anything else that they happen to put out there. Um, so yeah, you don't want to overcommit. Sometimes, you know, if you're playing something like Paladin, don't do the hero power if you're coming up on turn 7 because you don't want that extra minion in your hand. Especially if you're getting close to a full hand, you don't want to mill, say, something is as key as a, a Cariel hero card or something like that. So yeah, that that's going to be something we're going to have to say about all rogue decks. Do not overcommit into, uh, into, into a scabs hero power or hero card. So um, lastly, so if you're playing against them, uh, is there any way to tell that they are not what they appear at first blush? The, how, how, how is there ways that you can tell? I feel like they're, that they're rogue? I get the feeling when I see... Like, if you don't see the class a lot and you see it come up, that might be an indication. <laughs> um, if you see, like, a warlock, if there's a warlock and they don't play quest on turn one, it might be a... Um, it might be a rogue. Um and if you just see, like, if you just feel like the behavior is a little off, like if it's a hunter and they don't play a minion on turn one, well, that might be something that can happen. But I don't know. Uh, Face Hunter a lot of the times now is playing uh, uh, a minion on one. <laughs> so uh, it, it's just like the situations where you're like, I feel like they should have done something here. Um, especially on turn one or turn two, especially if there's like low curve decks, they probably should have played a minion. And obviously if they trade something, uh, you know that. <laughs> so like, I'm not going to insult your intelligence. If they trade the, the, uh, the cutlass, you know that they're, they're a rogue, but if they like, if they're playing paladin, if they're, you know, they're showing as paladin, um, a lot of the times, Paladin will play something on turn one. You know, we will be outdoor attendant or the um, the priest. No, you know, the Knight of Anointment. Yes. yes, there's or a uh, Trog. There are a lot of things that they might play on turn one. 
and not necessarily will they have it, but if they don't, you might start to get suspicious. Yeah, and there was one interesting interaction that you said as well during uh, before we were recording with Demon Hunter. You want to uh, you want to talk about that because that's that's something that is I don't know if it's a bug or if it's just like a weird interaction, but. Mage, why don't you talk about it? Because you're the one who brought it. I didn't know that before. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was, I was the one that brought it up. So apparently, if you're if you're playing against a demon hunter that is actually actually a masked rogue, uh, right now, if you look, af- if they hero power on turn one and hit you for one and end the turn, if you are if you apparently mouse over into the history bar. And look at look at that play that just happened. It will not show a one mana hero power. It will show a red two of, as the mana cost because the rogue hero power is normally two mana, and the demon hunter's a one mana hero power. So you shouldn't have necessarily been able to hero power on turn one, but you were able to. So if you played something. At a, at a different mana cost than it normally is, it tends to mark that in the in the history. So um, apparently that is a thing, at least right now. So that is actually a way that if you go up against Demon Hunter, you might be able to tell that they're masked. Um, also, if you're you know high ladder player, nine x, ten x, or eleven x, if you play the if you play Maester of the Masquerade, a non-golden version, you apparently get a non-golden hero power. And um, so if you're routinely going up against people with golden hero powers and you see a non-golden hero power, uh, it might be it might be a masked rogue. So that is something else that you could potentially look for as well. Though... On the flip side, if they have a golden maestra, then all their hero powers will be gold. So then you then you'll be out of luck there. So any any last words about uh, the maestro rogue or the thief rogue deck that we that we've been chatting about? It, se- it seems like a lot of fun, and I definitely should should get some games in with it. I think. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything to add. I think we did a, from my understanding, we did a good job. I think a new quote for my stream is, is it really a, insert class that I'm seeing, or is it actually a rogue? I feel like I'm just saying that like every, every game now, like, oh, is it? Oh, maybe it's a rogue. And then they play something. I'm like, oh, okay. No, it's not a rogue. It's actually that class. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I will jump into the poll question we have for this week. So we did talk about the announcement that the Hearthstone esports team did, uh, earlier today as we're recording this about Maester of the Masquerade being available for the Masters Tour uh, number one qualifiers. So we want to know, are you glad to see that the Hearthstone Esports team is allowing Maester of the Masquerade to be played in qualifiers? Yes, no, or not sure. Please vote. Let us know what you think of this, and we will talk about the results on next week's show. Speaking of the show, you can find us on Twitter at Dr3HS. You can follow our top pin tweet, and that will take you to the Dr3 Discord. 
Um, and then you can email the show at dr3hs at gmail.com. You can find myself on Twitter, uh, making takes about rogue doing roguey stuff <laughs> and uh on uh twitch at uh daring alkaline uh dragon rider where can we find you uh you can find me on twitter at donnie dk d-a-w-n-i-e-d-k on twitch and my hearthstone youtube dragon rider dk over on my other youtube talking about content creation and advice that i have for anybody wanting to do content creation uh, dawning growth and talking everything mercenaries every week over at the spirit healer podcast and mage take us home so you can find me talking about uh hearthstone dnd other games i'm playing at major death and the first episode of Phases of the Moon Knight is now Woo! available. Um, please, if you're at all into comic books, please give us a try. Give us a listen and let us know what you think. Uh, you can find that the podcast on Twitter as well. They are at Phases of MK. Would, would love for you to join us. Uh, definitely will be listening and... Uh... I hope you, if you have some interest in comics, go check it out. So thank you guys for listening this week. And as always, you've been listening to Dr. Three. Is it really a, or is it a rogue?